Broadcasting live from the Badlands of Texas, 360 degrees all the way around the earth, from Southern Australia to Northern Ireland, and into the earbuds in your ears, or even your car stereos. Which reminds me, I need to start our radio feed right now. This is Fruit Loop Friday. I'm your chief Fruit Loop. You're a Fruit Loop. I'm a Fruit Loop. We're all Fruit Loops. Hello, everybody on the radio. What are we talking about today? We are talking about... We're talking about occult ritualistic killings. That's what we're talking to today. I have some experience, some knowledge, not experience. That's a bad choice of words, but I have some knowledge about occult ritualistic killings from Father Malachi Martin, who's uh, passed away in the early 2000s, but his knowledge had been left. And also, I got a hold of the training for the police, law enforcement in... uh, occult investigation it's very interesting in light of the delphi murders and what the lawyers have put out this week so we're going to go over that i had a big conversation almost three hours today with cindy herring where we talked about it hopefully she comes in today and calls in so we can talk about it live there is a lot to go over tonight we're also going to talk about Ruby Frankie and the all the things that have come out that she's been doing just this week. Just this week, putting cayenne pepper in moons and stuff. We're going to go over that, what her uh, family has to say about her and her um, uh, obsession with her business partner, Hildebrandt. We're going to talk about all that today. And we got a lot of weird, very weird stories going on tonight first of all let me go ahead and thank our executive producers because they are so important i'd like to thank annabelle stealth thank you very much lady lisa producers sir grant from the land down under bryce jones and lisa w thank you very much for keeping this show going now anything that you send 20 dollars and over makes you an executive producer anything under that makes you producer we give you green credit here on the show and man we hell it's blasting out on the radio right now it's going over iheart radio it's going over tune in when we are live we are live and all that money goes to our radio music licensing because we like to go the extra mile you can listen to this show while you're at work while you're driving down the road you can listen to it get the iheart radio app get the tune in app the tune in app plays wonderfully in your car you can put iHeartRadio on your roku box you can watch us live streaming on there after this show we're going to be here till eight o'clock six to eight eight o'clock we're going to do something we call friday night live well we already have the schedule for that here on youtube so you can go ahead and set a reminder for that on that we have all the djs join us from a radio station and we play music you don't hear the music on youtube you just hear us talking behind the scenes so first let me go ahead and let's talk about Delphi and the Idaho 4 case. Uh, first, I want to talk about the new things that happened in the Idaho 4 case this week. The newest thing is the hearing was supposed to be today, but Brian Kohlberger had diarrhea. Just kidding. I don't know who got sick. They reported that somebody got sick and they had to reschedule it. So um, I believe it was on the 28th. Is that right, guys, in the chat room? I like to say hello to everybody in the chat. Hello, Texas Ranger, Hot Ham, Lisa Maxwell, Paula Moore, Jethro Toll. I wonder if it's the real one. Jethro Troll, Paula Lamore, 
Texas Ranger, first time here. Tyson, a.k.a. Dragonfly. The dude is here. It's very rare for him to start a show, but by golly, he knows how to end it. Lady Electra's here. All right, here we go. Let me show you what I got for you. You know what? Hold on. Actually, the first thing I want to do is I want to play a voicemail right here. The phone line is open. If you want to interrupt me anytime, I don't have a problem with that. Phone number is 325-261-0892. And Cindy Herring, if you're here, if you're listening, go ahead and call me live so we can discuss the uh, the Delphi case and the Odinism. But other than that, I'll talk about it by myself. Here's a message I got. All right, let me make sure I have this just right so you can hear it. Wouldn't want to miss anything. Okay, I'm not going to show you that. All right. All right, I don't want to show you that. I want to play this. I'm going to play you this message, guys. I was calling to see if I was sitting here watching TV, listening to uh, your show, talking about Mr. Uh, Mary's father, Katie's father. And I was wondering, I, I feel his deep pain, and I was wondering if there was an address I would like to send him uh, you know, a card of encouragement because I'm a Christian and he is too and he would understand because um, his pain is so great. And we'll be in prayer for you all and everybody else. Thank you. That's extremely kind, very nice, probably the nicest message I've gotten in a long time. Um, here's the deal about giving out the the uh, contact information or the mailing addresses of the victim's parents. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think sending them a card and your well wishes is a bad idea at all. Matter of fact, I think that is good, but due to the fact I've here on YouTube, there've, there've been several YouTube creators that have went the extra mile and to complain about other YouTube creators, they actually contacted Instead of leaving it on YouTube or growing the hell up, which they should, should be ashamed of them damn selves. Instead of leaving it there on YouTube, they decided to contact Ann Kohlberger, Ann Kohlberger, Ann Taylor, Kohlberger's lawyer, and talk about what this horrible person is saying on YouTube. And also, Zana Kernodal's father saying, you won't believe what this person here on YouTube is saying. Guys, back off. Grow up. And now I'm not talking to anybody in this community, and I don't even like to bring things about this up, but, yeah, just just because of things like that happening, I don't think that their information should be given, at least not by me. That's why I don't do it. All right. So let's look at this first bit of information here. Let's get the Kohlberger things out of the way. Um I should say. Now, there was two articles 
um, news stories about privilege. First, it broke on Fox News, and this is what it said. And it's up to you to decide whether this was a uh, headline grabber or just something for clickbait. Brian Kohlberger's unprecedented pretrial privileges includes vegan food, new suits, a computer. This is what Kaylee Gonsalves, as Steve said. And this is, well, here's the story. Brian Kohlberger, the former criminology PhD student accused of fatally stabbing four University of Idaho undergrads on a home invasion, may be getting much better treatment in jail than other inmates. Kohlberger has been held without bell at Latak County Jail in Moscow, Idaho, since January. I've been informed that his pretrial privileges, like his five suits, video and computer, Special treatment and vegan meals are unprecedented in the history of Idaho. That's what Steve Gonsalves told Fox Digital News. And this goes up against another story that Brian Inton said. Who do you think would know better, Steve Gonsalves or Brian Inton? Shortly after Kohlberger's arrival in Idaho, Latah County Sheriff Richard told News Nation, and this is, the jail would accommodate his request for vegan meals, typically vegetables or rice and beans, but we are not going to buy new pots and pans. Sheriff didn't respond for comment. After the suspected killer's initial court appearance in an orange jumpsuit, he began showing up dressed in a suit and tie. Gonsalves said he tried to find out who paid for the suits and get other information about the defense budget through a public records request, but it was denied under a gag order on the case. Boom, gag order rules again. They won't tell us, he said, but I witnessed the moment they agreed. I noticed, I witnessed it the moment they agreed not to handcuff him in court. His daughter, Kaylee Gonsalves, 21, was found dead alongside her Lifelong best friend and housemates, Maddie Mogan, also 21, in the latter's third-floor bedroom at their rental house on King Road, just steps off the college campus. And guys, I don't know about you, but I finally got a copy of the 48 Hours uh, show they put out about the Idaho 4, and they'd been advertising it like they had new information. They absolutely did not have any new information. So there's that. All four had been stabbed to death, according to the coroner. Steve goes on to talk about his feelings regarding the matter. Regrettably, it seems the judge and prosecutor are overly concerned with accommodating the defense, leaving us the advocates for our children with no choice but to step forward, Gonsalves said. Kohlberger's defense and Latak County prosecutor attorney Bill Thompson had both asked Judge John Johnson to bar cameras from future proceedings. We're going to talk about that. Coming up as it relates to the Odinism, the occult rituals, and the Idaho trial. Cindy, if you hear me, call in. The court heard arguments on the issue Wednesday and said he would make a decision at a later date. A group, a media group led by the Associated Press is opposing the measure, and outside experts say the arguments from both Kohlberg and the prosecutor's office may be unfounded. A lot of people are saying this. They're saying, well, you know, that's one thing to have the prosecuting and the defense agree to not have cameras, but it's they don't write the law. They're not the ones that made the law. It's not the ruling that they get to decide 
and agree on things and it to happen. Just because they're not opposing it means they're not going to follow any paperwork to fight it. And then for the judge to pish posh the media being represented by a lawyer there who is actually representing the people like us who want to know, saying that they weren't stakeholders. Jack, if you weren't voted in to be a judge, I don't know how the hell you got there. But again, maybe this is just an issue with um, Idaho. I guarantee you one thing, Brian Inton wouldn't have the balls to say something like that to you people in Idaho. If you have a problem with the cameras not being there, vote him out. We'll see where that goes. Nobody cares. Just because both sides want to hide the proceedings from the public does not mean the judge has to go along with the request, said Royal Oaks, the Los Angeles media attorney, who successfully convinced the court in the 90s to have OJ's trial televised. The public is entitled to see the judicial system at work as they say sunlight is the best disinfectant. Richard Allen of the Delphi case wants cameras in the courtroom. Koberger is facing charges of first-degree murder and other felony burglary and the death penalty. They will seek the death penalty. All right, so this is an opposing view of that, I believe, and it comes from your girl, Banfield, and your girl, Brian Inton. So you can imagine my surprise waking up to hear that Brian Koberger's getting special treatment in the Latah County Jail, because I thought, no, he ain't, at least not that I've seen, right? I kind of have been following every single moment of his life in that jail, and none of it seems special. Guys, I got this breaking news. I'm so glad Cindy Herring's here. No, that's not the breaking news. Cindy, you should... um, The next thing I'm going to talk about is a Delphi case again. You should call me and talk to me again just for about, you know, 20 or 30 minutes on it. Uh, I got breaking news. Your girl Banfield has COVID, so Brian Nitton is taking care of her show right now. Can you believe it? I'm so sad. Why couldn't it got Brian? What what problem do I have with Brian Enton? None other than his mouth. He's got, gosh, what is, please help me y'all. I'm trying to be civil. I don't want to say anything bad. I don't want to say, I'm trying not to say he has a hard on against true crime podcasts and against youtube true crime i don't want to say that but he talks it down all the time then he interviews the people i don't want to say that but the people that do that you guys us we're the one that watch the stuff so for him to continually attack internet sleuthers as he does is just poor taste ashley never does that uh i really like news nation that's why i play their clips other than i like it not that it's great the reasons I like it is it's kind of sensational. It's somewhere between journalism and the Inquirer. That's why I like it. But uh, to talk bad about your audience, come on, Brian. It's not going to work out for you, buddy, if you keep doing that. But some of you guys like him. I respect that. So, of course, Brian Enton would get to the bottom of it. Of course he would. 
all these reports out there that say he's got a special computer, that he's getting special meals, that he's allowed to wear fancy suits. Brian, what? I don't. I'm not so sure that's really true. Is it? Yeah, so these reports came out this morning, and I've learned that most of it is is not true, at least according to my sources. Uh, I have learned that uh, he is using an older computer that is not connected to the Internet. It is the same older computer that all the inmates get to use. Uh, and the only thing he can do on it, since it's not connected to the Internet, is he can put a thumb drive into the computer that has his court documents on the thumb drive. He can review the documents. Uh, he can make comments. He can resave to the thumb drive. And then he can give that thumb drive back to his lawyer. Again, that's something that all the inmates in the Latah County Jail get to do, according to my sources. As for all this talk about the vegan meal, uh, I am told it is just rice and beans. That's it. Rice and beans. Mm. And that anyone else in the jail can have rice and beans also. Rice and beans. Uh, that's great, Brian. Nobody asked about rice and beans. That's what you reported three months ago, jackass. That's not what the article that came out was talking about. Come on now. We're talking about the suits not being handcuffed in court. We're talking about his iPad, you jackass. We don't give a damn about rice and beans. Quit treating everybody like they're stupid. So um, if that's what they want. Okay. So, okay, because you and I have been talking at length since January about vegan meal options. We got the menu. What the hell are you talking about vegan meal options, you nutsack? Back then. You reported back then it was rice and beans. So why would anybody start to think that having a vegan meal was special? You can have a kosher meal. You can have a halal meal. You can have a vegan meal. It's all part of the prison system. It ain't, it's not special. It's not new. Do you have any idea why all of a sudden someone started to think that vegan was special? Well, look, I think that um, it's troubling what Brian Koberger is accused of. Um, you see him come into court uh, in the suit. You hear vegan meal. You hear that there's a computer involved. It, it, it makes people mad. And I understand that based on what he's charged with. You don't want to. People are mad about no cameras in court. Think about him having some kind of, you know, privileged time. in. in there would be no cameras in the court. And then they called it off there will be no court somebody has your schnipples jail uh but when you really dig into the facts i mean it's rice and beans and it's an old computer that every single inmate gets to use okay. just to plug the thumb drive in uh, and read the court docs so here's something else the picture that's in the, in the middle of the screen between us this has bothered me since day one already has special underwear Watching him walk in and out of the courtroom in the Latah County Courthouse slash jailhouse. It's all the same building. He has a fancy suit on each time. He does not walk in and out of that court in jailhouse or. I wouldn't call it fancy. I would call it, you know, a few sizes too small. Look at him cuffs. Let's talk about these cuffs, these scandalous cuffs. Orange, which every pretrial hearing typically is. There's no jury present. So you're not, you know, tainting a jury by watching him walk in and out in an orange, um, you know, jumpsuit. They give him this suit. And I've been trying to figure out why. What about the beans and rice? That's all Brian's looked at is the beans and rice. Let's talk about the beans and rice. How about the beans and rice? Shut up, Brian. Yeah, I think there's five. Yeah, I, I don't know, Ashley. I've just been focusing on the beans and rice and... uh yeah, I'm sorry.
suits that he had. I don't know anything about it. If he actually knew what the hell he was talking about, they're interviewing this guy. This is one journalist interviewing her person that uh, you know covers her show on the weekends. This isn't an expert. He didn't even read the article about um, Stephen Gonsalves talking about, hey, we wanted to find out who is funding these special things, which do exist. These five suits and the iPad and we got to the point where it was blocked and we couldn't get the information because of the gag order. He has now. Again, I understand why that's bothersome. Wow. He knows it's bothering you, but he can't say anything about it because he doesn't know. He's a jackass. The victim's families. I mean, it's weird. Even when I've been in court, you see him come in in the suit. There's no shackles. Basically, the defense has asked the judge and the judge is allowing it. They're worried that if, um, you know, who paid for it? Where, where did that come from? That is a good question. It's reported that the family's not visiting him at all, and they've only taken a few calls. Brian doesn't know what he's talking about. People see him on TV in the, the prison uh, uniform. If the, the, it could possibly taint the potential jury pool. It's actually interesting. I didn't fully realize it, but Lori Vallow was also able to do that. Chad Daybell, uh, Murdoch also, even before the trial. So apparently with some of these high-profile cases, uh, this has kind of become a common trend lately. Well, and with other ones, we've seen them shuffle in in shackles and shuffle out in shackles. Yeah. So it's, I think it's just, you know, case by case basis. So I can see how some might think that that's special treatment. I knew you would get to the bottom of it all, Brian Enton. You know. You're so wonderful, Brian. I love you, Brian. Brian. All right. Cindy is throwing her roast in the oven. And as soon as she can, she is going to call in. Daryl Brooks was given the choice to wear a suit, too, is not to taint the jury. There was no jury in the court yet for Cole Berger. I don't care what he wears. I don't care if he wears a damn clown suit. I don't care if he goes butt-ass butt naked, especially now since we're probably not going to have cameras in there. What I care about is there not being cameras in there. I have a reason for that. I have a reason for the court in Idaho lying and saying, putting out gag orders is just the way it is. You know, what's not telling you something is just the way it is. So, so this man has a fair trial. All right, not believing it. See what we got here. Delphi double homicide attorney says victims were ritualistically sacrificed. Do you? Oh, yes, it must be Cindy. Midnight caller line. Is this Cindy? Yeah, it is. All right. All right. I had, to, oh, I had to get my dinner in the oven. Okay. I hope I don't burn it because. You, oh, no, I'll keep, it's not a roast anyway, it's okay. ravioli. <laughs> as long as you have at least 20 minutes. Yeah, we had a conversation yeah. about this today, and we added some good stuff. I was wondering if we could condense that whole conversation, keep it on Delphi in Idaho and the occult rituals. And I'm going to start it off with this video right here where it breaks down the whole story to everybody, and then we can discuss it. All right. Okay, I'm going to enlarge you on my screen so I can see it. Okay, and you should be able to hear over the phone. All right, here we go. Right. 
18's Vinnie Martirano is live now in studio tonight with what we've learned from a host of documents filed in the case today. Vinnie? Yeah, Richard Allen's attorneys are connecting the murders to Odinism. New suspects, they say, committed the murders. And the crime scene in 2017 at the Monon High Bridge, all in a document dump we received this morning. It's part of their request to throw out evidence collected during a search of Allen's home shortly before the arrest last year. Allen's attorneys say while nationalist members of a pagan Norse religion called Odinism ritualistically sacrifice Abigail Williams and Liberty German. The documents say many of the people surrounding Allen are Odinites as well. According to the documents, multiple Westville corrections officers who wore Odinism patches, quote, monitored, intimidated, and mentally abused Allen. Allen's attorneys say these officers were the ones recording their meetings with Allen inside the facility. Allen told his attorneys, quote, the guards are telling me that my wife and family will be killed unless I call my wife and tell her I killed those girls, end quote. According to the documents, the officer stopped wearing the Odinist patches when Allen's defense team revealed strong connections between the murders and Odinism. Allen's attorneys say there are four Odinites who they consider suspects in the murder. We won't release the names of those individuals because they haven't been charged or arrested. I will, by golly. An Odinite from Logansport, whose son reportedly dated Williams, allegedly posted images to social media that mimic the crime scene. According to documents, he told his ex-wife that one of the other people involved is actually responsible for the murders of Abby and Libby. He says the person killed the girls because one of their mothers was, quote, mixing with other people outside of the mother's race. The documents say another man from Rushville allegedly confessed to his sister about the killings. Allen's attorneys add two more men, one also from Rushville and another from Delphi, are also involved. The attorneys say Odinist symbols were also found at the crime scene back in 2017 at the Monon High Bridge. Attorneys say Odinites left behind signature symbols in the form of Germanic symbols called runes, formed with sticks. The documents say sticks and tree branches were carefully and deliberately placed on each girl in a certain arrangement, mimicking certain runes. The attorneys say the blood of Liberty German was used to paint a mark on the tree with a rune that looks similar to the letter F. Allen's attorneys say Richard Allen has zero connections to any pagan cult or pagan cultists. Allen's attorneys say the search was unconstitutional because Carroll County Sheriff Tony Liggett intentionally omitted links to Odinism when he applied for the warrant. Liggett and a spokesperson for state police declined to comment because of a gag order in the case. News 18 also reached out to Carroll County Prosecutor Nicholas McLeland but haven't heard back. All right, so there's that just briefly skims over some of the issues. First of all, Cindy, you worked for the department, the Georgia Department of Corrections, for a long time, didn't you? For a while, yep, I did. Um, I worked in a county jail as corrections officer. Good. Now, let me ask you this: At any time, are you um, able to wear any special patches of whatever you want on your uniform, other than what you're supposed to wear? Uh, no, sir. They're on there when you are issued your uniform. Exactly. Uh, and the only time they the only time patches are added is if you move up in rank. And that's my understanding for every every prison in every county jail. So I'm calling bullshit on that one. I most certainly am. Yep. Although 
you did say that you saw some uh, issues with some of the patches that the the law enforcement in Idaho were wearing. Well, we yeah, we discussed that. Gosh, almost last year, first of this year, when they when they took him off the plane and escorted him into you know the quarter because the jail's downstairs. From what I understand at that time. Um, I noticed, remember I sent you pictures of how the patches were just different than, uh, and I sent you one as compared to their normal CDPD patches, but yet it was the same officers. Right. You know, so that that's what kind of, when I heard this, I was like, dang, you know, because I, I thought those were a little different um, way back then in Idaho, because who was it? Um, they're good looking to shoot, I can't remember, anyway. It's been a long time. Um, but he was one of the ones escorted in, and he has a different patch on, you know. Also, I've been looking at tattoos. <laughs> Just the idea that he confessed to his wife five times. and Between the confessions that he did to his wife and his mother, he confessed five times that he did it. I'm having a hard time that someone coerced him into doing that, but I don't have a hard time uh, him doing that confessing to it, wanting to get off his chest. He knows his wife's going to leave him. His wife hung up the phone on him, never talked to him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, he does have, you know, he has that history of what all that pedophilia stuff they found on the computer. Yeah, there's and, that. Yeah, um, so he, whenever his wife happened to be at work, he would do things, you know, like looking up pedophile things on his computer while she was gone and going for walks in parks and things like that while she was gone. He wasn't mm-hmm. doing it for his health, or at least it didn't look like he was doing it. And he's the one that put mm-hmm. himself there at the time. He was there at the time of the murder. And he admitted it. He was there at the time of the murder. People saw him acting crazy. People saw him with mud and blood on him as he was leaving. Two hours later, they found a bullet between the two dead bodies of the girls that mar- mm-hmm. matched tool markings in his gun like it had been cycled through. So you take that bullet. And you put a new bullet in the gun, you cycle it through, pop it out, and it has the same scratches in the same places. And that's how they do that. And they'll show, again, this evidence will be showed in court. It's so, got to be. That's the issue right now. That's the issue. They had all these other crime scene photos. There's no photo of the bullet. There's no photo of it in the ground before they removed it. There's no photo of it laying, pictured with a yellow, mm-hmm. little yellow cone or or piece of tape or in there's no picture of the bullet at the crime scene and that's going to be prosecutions oh yeah i'm sure they, they should have they that. Come up with that they should have that they should have the x-rays uh showing the tool markings and all that he admitted to having the, a gun and they're like well let us see it oh it matches the bullet um his wife and him admitted that he'd never had that um no one's ever touched it but him you know there's a lot mm-hmm. that points to him in this you know we the people can't see we can't see the evidence right now because there's a gag order on it, of course, and that should come out in trial. But the, I, I think people are looking at this and they see the Odinism stuff and they're thinking, well, that's just weird. A lot of people are straight off away saying it's bullshit, but they don't re- realize the importance of the implications of this. Just like that bullet that has to be shown um, and all the other evidence mm-hmm. that they have that has to be shown and witnesses saying we saw him there, that was the man. You know, um, you look at them now, you, you put them in that 
the jacket and the hat and everything, he still looks the same. He looks more when he weighed more. But dude, that is the guy. They had the video of him telling the girls to go down the hill. They recorded it. That is the guy. Now, mm-hmm. the thing that really breaks this wide open is the paperwork that those lawyers filed. And um, wow, I don't, I don't think there's been another court case where they filed paperwork saying it, it was a recult, uh, an occult ritualistic murder instead right. to fight the fight for the, for the defense, you know? Well, this is today when you told me that we were talking and I'll reiterate what I said, even a cult, if they consider it, their religion is protected by the constitution. Your freedom of religion, whatever you choose, is protected by the Constitution. So therein, with them bringing all this up, if they label it as an occult, you know, as a Satan type thing, whatever, they still have to abide by the constitutional right that they have the right to religion. Now, that doesn't infer that they have the right to murder somebody in, in some kind of ritual or sacrifice, but that would have to be proven that they did it just opening the door to this is opening a can of worms in violation of their rights to to worship so you know that's going to be an issue uh for the defense well they also threw that white nationalist thing in there which is very interesting well not is it really because that's all they have done in this united states the whole past two or three years now everything's got it's either white supremacy or white nationalist or I mean, seriously, they have used that as a a, a division tool, you know. The, the two um, greatest, the two greatest things uh, fighting against freedom are climate change and white supremacy. Is that what they said? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because climate change is going to be the reason Bill Gates is going to dim the sun, which is going to make our vegetation and trees die, and we need those to live. Yeah. You know, it, this it, climate change has an agenda, and so does this. Uh, White nationalism, white supremacy, it, that that divides, and when you divide, you conquer. And it's all, an, I mean, this is all an agenda, and it's nationwide. I'll tell you that they I have zero compassion or care about our government right now. I don't zero. know. I don't know what um, I'm about to go back on topic and look at the actual Delphi paperwork, but um, to me, the number one danger to our democracy in America is, is, um, Alzheimer's mm-hmm. and the president of the United States having that. And I, if, <laughs> if I was in charge, I would arrest everybody on Capitol Hill for allowing that elder abuse to happen. I think it is. That, well, that's what it is. It's, it is. It is. It's elder abuse. You're right. Hell, my dad had dementia yeah. and he wanted to be an airplane pilot. I made sure, you know, that didn't happen. You know, they're giving him the keys to the plane. I think that's horrible to do. All right, let's go into this Delphi paperwork for a okay. little bit. Uh, they talk about it a little bit. They don't really go into it very much. So let us go ahead and get into this here. All right. Let me throw it up here on the screen. Right. Okay. 
piece of crap. All right, let me try something else. No, 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 no. Okay, let me uh, see. Electra Sander. Cults really protected under the Constitution? We're not talking. There's a difference between cults and occult practices. And uh, cults aren't occult. Cults aren't the occult. Occult is secret knowledge, knowledge that's not given out. It's usually what normal people would consider, you know, like things you don't do. For example,. Let's say I'm a voodoo doctor, and, uh, and th- this happens a lot in uh, Georgia, actually, I think. Or I'm I- sure. Among other things. Yeah. So you can uh, pay somebody to do some things, and it's not illegal, and they'll put a curse on somebody that'll kill them, supposedly in their beliefs, and they'll do this, and uh, it might be involved with like them cutting you know, using the blood of a frog and some soil from a graveyard and these different things that they put together and different things they say uh-huh. and different amounts of money they put at a certain time and put it back in the graveyard. And then they put a curse on somebody. Somebody dies. Now that's an occult practice. Uh-huh. That's an occult right, practice. That's, it, in our area, the most, uh, most of that type of thing is Wiccan, which is considered, I mean, they consider that a religion. Um, well, there's different, and that, to me, it's not, but you know, they have their own little Bible and everything. So, so that would be an occult practice. <clears throat> and while they kill somebody, it, they can't be prosecuted for that. So there, we're, there's wow. other things that are actually prosecutable. And the exact term that they use is a cult. Um, see, what did I use? A cult ritual. The occult rituals, right? And uh, that, right. that's talking about the illegal part of the cult, and that usually has to do with desecration of churches and grave robbing. And I won't get too specific because I don't want to give anybody ideas. But there is, I was reviewing the manuals on law enforcement training for the occult practices and rituals. So when they get something and they think it is occult, there's it is an occult crime, whether it's a desecration of a church whether it is mutilating the mutilating of bodies. They call in professionals, usually from the Catholic Church, because they have some professionals for that that are unbiased. And uh, mostly what they want to do is say, no, it's not a cult. They're not biased to say it is a cult. Right. Yeah, it's some crazy stuff. Like Coop says, homicide is not protected under religion. But, I mean, if, if someone casts a voodoo spell on somebody and they die, they can't link that to them. Now, if they killed them with a yeah. knife, they can. So we're going to go into that with this Odin case. But um, yeah. so what the hell was I talking about? Let me just go into this paperwork here. Let me steer us there. It's a giant pain in my ass. This stream yard, <laughs> huge. Yeah. We went through a lot of that today. We were on the phone a long time, but like I said, I had seen some of it online, but I had not downloaded. I do not have time to read 136 pages, so I had gotten some highlights. Okay, I got it. I got it. It just kind of blew my mind on the, like I said, it blew my mind whenever I came across the other word, the A-R-T-A-R-T. 
A-R-A-T-R-U or something like that, which is uh, one of the followings or the creeds that, uh, that that church up there in Idaho goes by. And then when you go search it, it is similar to the Odinism. And I was like, holy crap, wow. You know, that just kind of blew my mind, too. But it's, I mean, that's on their church website. And, you know, you can go down each thing. It tells about their doctrine and all that stuff. And, you know me, I'm going to just dig. Right now, I'm just totally pissed about the blackout with this trial. Yeah, that's my main issue, too, I swear. So I got the paperwork up now, and here's what we have here. So. I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm just going to read the juicy bits that matter. The fact that they brought this up in court, and I'm glad Coop's here now. Coop 3000 in the chat room. Because I'm interested in the things that they're alleging here in this document. I'm interested to see how they're going to prove these things in court. Um, You know, if they don't, is it not libel and slander, even though it's somebody's defense? Coop says this. The argument would have to be that it's, oh, no, he's talking to... Electra. All right. So let me read the part of this. So we're, we're at the uh, table of contents right now. And they have eight things to know. And this is how, who they're blaming. They're accusing a lot of things. So I read the law enforcement training on this. And if they find that there is legitimate, there's difference between people playing like they're Satanists, somebody committing a murder and throwing a, a symbol on the wall to kind of throw people off. That's done quite often. And there's a difference between people who are real devotees of these occult uh, ritualistic practices. Mm-hmm. And they're, they do not share that information. They are not going to tell you if something occult happened there. There, there was a real yeah. dark case of something that happened in, in the eighties where this, um, classified the classified law enforcement as a juvenile satanic worshiper which is a different classification because usually in all these different occult practices ritualistic practices where people are doing things illegal other than the real dark stuff that's hidden like i don't know child trafficking things like that that's on the different level which is like super secret uh hush hush and all that well the teenagers are the ones that were doing these things you know so they don't want information to get out there about the real uh, ritualistic practices. Therefore, if they encounter it again, they know if it's real or not. And they don't want to encourage teenagers to do things like this. So they have an agreement between the news media, the law enforcement, and the church to not talk about these things. So you usually don't know if the murder is a cult practice or not, unless it gets out somehow. And these these defense lawyers are certainly getting it out, but everything that they say, they're going to have to back up in a court of law. They're saying they can. So it starts with eight things you need to know about Odinism, Odinites, and runes. Mm-hmm. Failure to pursue the Odinites, which they're claiming the law enforcement did. They're claiming they did it intentionally. They're saying that Richard Allen, he's not an Odinite, therefore, oh, he, it couldn't have been him that did it. You know, forget the evidence you have, forget his own mouth, you know, those evil white prison guards in there, you know, they said that. You know, they really have more on Richard Allen than they do Brian Colbert. Yeah. Evidence-wise. They do. A lot more. <laughs> and and they have a gag order in the Delphi case, too. Yeah, Colberger, uh-huh. they didn't, 
I guess there's no Odinites there in the Idaho making him call his mama and confess. I, I'm crying bullshit on that one. Um, but again, I mean, it's word for word, my word against yours. A lot of these things, especially when they're accusing people right. of being Odinites in this paperwork. You are an Odinite. You had the symbol. Bullshit. I'm not an Odinite. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's what I told you. A lot of the symbolism, um, the symbols themselves, the runes, they call them. If I go way back in my lineage, which is Norse and, and uh, Scandinavian, I mean, they weren't real good, <laughs> real good people either. <laughs> you know, Vikings pillaged, uh, pillaged ships and every dance. But do you know that the, there's some of those same symbols in the Norse? And the north side ruined, so I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I'm not, I promise you, I'm not like that. But, <laughs> you know, it's like cultures, ancient cultures like that had their own symbolism. So I'm really interested in, in the aspect of the law enforcement, even if all this is true. It would be true like this because they would not talk about it. It would not get out. And, and um, cults, the cults are protected under freedom of religion you know occult practices are but when we're talking about cult rich illegal ritualistic practices anything illegal is not so let's say i'm investigating this crime as you know a murder and i see oh god this i think this might be a cult let me call an expert they call an expert that's in this paperwork we're going to go over they go over and like this is definitely um odinism um, not saying that Odinism believes in these things, but whoever did this believes in Odinism and believes that they get some power from this ritual that it looks like they did. And again, we don't know everything about the condition of the bodies. What are you going to do? Okay, well, Odinism's involved, but who did it? Who's the person that committed this crime? And mm-hmm. what did they find? They find witnesses that saw the person. They have a video of the son of a bitch walking They have testimony from the son of a bitch saying he was there at the time of the murders and they have him leaving after he would have had plenty of time to take these, those girls to the land that he did to do what he, um, you know, is blamed of doing. And then he goes home a certain time and they have that documented plus a bunch of illegal pornography when his wife is at home and a lot of other stuff and all the evidence that they have. Well, Onism or not, we got Richard Allen so mm-hmm. very interesting. So can, to continue here, let me go over some of this real quick. Eight things to know, and then who they claim did it must have did it just because they simply, you know, are they're accusing them of being involved in Odinism. And the boyfriend of Libby German is named in this, and he says, "I don't know what the hell they're talking about. I know nothing about Odinism. Never had anything to do with it." And, um, who is there a lawyer out there willing to help me pro bono to go after them for accusing me of this on a national platform? So what do you have if they, these lawyers can't prove what they're saying? And according to them, there are some proofs. Then- yeah, they have, um, they said there's a statement from one of the guys are naming, I think his name maybe have been Jerry or something like that, that had buddies there in Delphi and that, you know, she borrowed his car, that it had blood on it and all this stuff. And he had just been down to 
that weekend or whenever right. I happened to visit with friends in Delphi. They got that statement, but who knows whether or not that's something that was pulled out of somebody's butt, too. I mean, you, you know, but that's supposedly in all this paperwork that, that was done throughout that investigation. And then, you know, it was just kind of put away. And again, it's probably because they violated um, violated the understanding between the law that you were talking about, you know. Mm-hmm. All right. I'm going to start reading some of the this paperwork here. I'm going to ask Main Mod and Robo Mod to check over the chat room. We have new people going on here. We have rules of order. So please help enforce those uh eight things to know overwhelming evidence in this case supports the following the defense claims member of a pagan norse religion called odinism hijacked by white nationalists ritualistically sacrificed abigail williams and liberty german very early on those in charge of the delphi murder investigation claimed that they uh consulted with a purdue professor we'll go over that again uh Hey, Coop, my question is this. They're making a lot of bizarre um, allegations. Is, is If they can't prove this in court, are they liable for, um, what, slander and defamation for the people that they name if they don't show proof to any of these allegations? Uh, or is that only uh, substantial if they get taken to court by another lawyer for defamation? So it says very very early on, those in charge of the Delphi murder investigation claimed that they consulted with a Purdue professor concerning what resembled possible Odinism signatures left behind the crime scene. Okay, I'm not reading all this, but they come to the conclusion that the professor said, oh, never mind, it's not Odinism. And they said, okay, so they stopped investigating and reporting on it being Odinism. And then when the the defense went to check on that, well, nobody could remember the professor couldn't even dredge up one email about it. Right. That that was questionable to me. You know, mm-hmm. if they if in fact that statement was true, then of course somebody would they would have on record who they spoke with, what professor. They can't even say what what college it was at or university or whatever. Yeah, all they can say is Purdue, but it says uh yeah. because of that Purdue, that mystery Purdue professor's opinion, the Delphi investigative leadership claimed that it essentially abandoned considering Odinite involvement in the murders. And then the years passed, 2008 through 2022. Thankfully, during those passing years, law enforcement officers, I'm just going to do their first name, Kevin, Greg, and Todd, continue to pursue the truth because of their curiosity investigated efforts. The evidence establishing the names of the likely murdering members of this Odinite cult became known to the delphi investigative leadership no later than february 2018 so they're saying that there are reports and there's evidence of this due to either incompetence or an incoherted inconcerted uh, intentionality those in charge of the investigation refused to arrest or even properly investigate those obvious suspects in their naming and shaming these people uh, May 1st, 2023, state of Indiana, by way of Professor Nick McClellan, received a letter from former Rushville Assistant Police Chief Todd Click, now retired. This is a pretty big deal. As stated in the previous paragraph, Click, Murphy, and Fernsey were three of the law enforcement officers who worked on the Delphi murder case, particularly focused on the Odinite angle, as it intersected with suspects in Rushville, Indiana. After reading Richard Allen's probable cause affidavit, Click became concerned that the information contained in Richard Allen's affidavit 
pointing the finger at Richard Allen was far less com- compelling than the totality of the information that Detective Ferency, Detective Murphy, and Click had accumulated during the Rushville portion. How the hell could that be less compelling than uh, eyewitnesses and right? Crazy. Well, I'm tell you what I think. I think a lot of it. They make those previous investigators. It goes into further into that paperwork somewhere about the exact um, staging of the girls, and I had never heard until that part of the paperwork that uh, one of the girls was totally left totally naked. The other was dressed in the other girl's clothes. It was just some, and then there were sticks forming V's and they would have a, a, a one across the other. It was kind of like it to them. It appeared ritualistic, you know, um, and that I think was kind of what they were going on. However, we've not ever seen those photographs. So, I never knew anything about that. I didn't know the other one of the girls had been um, redressed in in the other clothes, and their positioning of one leg is out of whack, forming an L or some junk. I don't, you know, it, it goes into that further in, into that in that paperwork. All right, Cindy, I got to say something I about chat. Yeah, I was talking about um, the mods to police the chat room because there's some other youtube creators in there that are trolling in there and i don't want to disrupt the show while i'm not looking and uh you know while i'm reading stuff and interacting while they're disrespecting people that i'm interviewing that's a rule and if you don't like it it doesn't matter you're gone forever and we're all going to go about our merry way so let me just continue here have fun with that whoever you were If you're in chat room trying to make it about you, this isn't about us. Um, this is really fascinating, though. The information that Murphy and Click had gathered during their investigation connected men who practiced Odinism in or near Delphi with another group of men who lived in Rushville and then connected both groups of men to the murders. How are they connected to the murders? Because they were involved in Odinism, just because they were involved in some occult practices doesn't mean they're murders click was concerned that for some reason the leadership of the investigative team had failed to share with prosecutor mcclelland the evidence gathered by click and murphy clicks concerns led him to seek out a lawyer to assist him in drafting of a letter so there's a letter as a piece of evidence and and they're saying that he's saying that it's more compelling the odinism angle and the people that they're investigating than Richard Allen's involvement and it said this letter was not provided to the defense until after it was obvious from the last round of depositions that the defense who had doggedly pursued witnesses as far as Georgia would certainly be talking with Todd click McClellan had this letter in his possession for over four months before turning it over to the defense. There can be no mistaking that this letter is exculpatory in nature and could have been used by the defense as it prepared for oncoming depositions. However, it is apparent that McClellan only offered up the letter after it was obvious that the defense team would soon be learning of the letter's existence. In other words, the defense team would obviously be meeting with or deposing Click in the next few weeks. So the defense is claim, uh, claiming that they weren't told about this investigation until the last minute. They were told they weren't told anything about the Odinism angle until the last minute. And their whole reason 
for bringing this out, whether it's valid, true or not. Their whole reason is to throw out the, um, the indictment, indictment. to throw out the indictment. The same thing that's happening in the Kohlberger case, they're focusing on that genetic DNA part saying that they must've had that illegally before. And that's what led them to know, think it was him which, you know, the prosecution is saying isn't the case. Therefore, the whole indictment and every other thing, plus the kitchen sink, should throw out the indictment, which is what they were meeting for today, mm-hmm. but somebody got sick. Yeah, man, that's what we were talking about. I get so frustrated with this. The same with Sarah Boone. You know, she can't keep a lawyer. When she has one, they're always sick. So, so that's going to go nowhere. I'm only going to talk about this for about 10 more minutes at the most between five and 10 minutes. And I'm going to stop talking about this right now because I got a lot of other information to go over. Let me check the chat room real quick. Sure. This is coffin doffer sucks. These defense attorneys just got their hands on this information recently, like past two weeks. Can't imagine the state didn't see any of the validity of these accusations. I think that's a good comment. Yeah. Uh, I don't see any other trolls there. Well, you got to look at it this way. Someone from, like I said, law was always my my passion. Um, and now I'm sixty six. I'm you know I'm not active, but I still love listening to it. That's why I said your channel is just really the one I like to listen to, um, or watch. But you got to ha- you got to have stuff to back. You can't just make. They're saying like they're saying they have stuff to back it, but they're going to have to show okay, it. Well, that's that's what's interesting right. about this, and the fact that law enforcement isn't allowed to talk about these occult, uh, a pra- you know, practices and rituals as relating to murder. But well, damn it! Now they laid it out on the Sunday table, and everybody's going to have to talk about it, and they're going to mm-hmm. have to show this information now. And um, you know, I. Well, the I'm not way saying they it's conclude- not true, but I'm I'm not saying that this Odinism angle is not true. I'm saying that mm-hmm. this is open. This is truly opened up Pandora's box, and just because sure maybe Odinism is involved doesn't mean that he wasn't involved in it. Now, this is the thing with Odinism, uh, as with any other, like say my church. When I join my church, I'm on the church roster as a church membership. Odinism. Uh, has what they call a brotherhood. And so, I mean, there'd be a heck of a lot of subpoena to do to get records, I guess, for it. But the people they are accusing, they could eventually find out if they were actually part of, you know, that brotherhood by obtaining those records. But they would have to prove that. I mean, you, like you said, it could be some copycat out there just doing it and throwing these symbols up. Here's some interesting comments. They said, I read they spent just six weeks investigating Richard Allen and they arrested him. So why are they investigating him for six years before him? I don't understand. Please rephrase that. I thought there was DNA evidence found at the house and wouldn't the supposed cult members have been seen on the bridge? Nobody was slung by Richard, but Richard Allen. Imagine that. Oh, oh, dude. Let me tell you this too. I watched the most compelling, it was the most moving thing yesterday. I I follow just an independent journalist, travels around CJ. Um, He went down to Delphi yesterday, and I got to see both graves. He took roses to light at both girls' graves. 
Um, he had uh, one of his followers live there. So she met with him and, you know, he gave him directions. They rode around together and all. And then later her husband joined them. And I got to see the path. I got to see where they think that Richard or whomever was sitting on what bench and where the girls were let out. I mean, I got to see the whole thing. Um, they have repaved and reworked that bridge since then because it was falling apart. And the part of the original bridge where this happened is still there. You just can't go to it. You can go as far as this railing, and they've got all kind of security cameras now. But let me tell you, that drop off, that, that down the hill, you could kill yourself if you lose your footing. I'm telling you, it is down the hill. I'll send mm-hmm. you the link to that. It's, it was very interesting to watch. Dudabai says, I'm wondering if Odin's men has anything to do with these cultist activities. I looked on his uh, YouTube channel and his website. I don't think he does. That just happens to have been his name. But I don't know. Odin's men. Mm-hmm. It's hard to have a name like that and not be involved in the religion, right? If I had a web, if I had a YouTube channel called Satan's Little Helper, I mean, you would think I was involved in that religion, would you not? So, yeah, it's hard yeah. to say. Um, mm-hmm. So... Just to finish off this paperwork here, it says the prosecution and Delphi investigative leadership now knew that for a while the defense team had been aware of the Odinist evidence, at least the evidence that the prosecution turned over to the defense scattered throughout multiple hard drives and many flash drives. The prosecution learned early August that the defense had figured out the strong Odinist ties to the crimes. Despite the apparent attempts of the prosecution, Liggett and Holman to hide this exculpatory information from the defense. So they're calling it exculpatory information. And I'm interested, and I don't know why, Brian Kohlberg's defense team was saying that, um, who was it, Dylan? They were saying that Dylan had exculpatory information, and that was the, and they wanted to talk to her. And see, that's what triggers me with my wild ass speculation. No, no proof of anything whatsoever. Is the 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 brother religion or whatever you want to call it, the Odinism mm-hmm. the, or Truo, or however you say it, one of the contributors in them articles last name is Mortensen. Mm-hmm. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> It was just, you know, that just no, like it. I'll take it back. It wasn't Dylan Mortson. It was Bethany Funk is the one that they said had a sculptory information and they oh. wanted to talk to her and they wanted to, uh, let me see. But is it her, is it Bethany that's mother is somehow in some kind of city capacity? Uh, She's a lawyer. Capacity there? She's a lawyer. Yeah, yeah that's what. Bethany Funk and everything had been shut down from her except that one thing, you know, there's the naked man theory, you know, uh, that she saw naked man running out and people are wondering how if Kohlberger did, he didn't have any blood on him, but, and they were saying the defense said that she had some information about, about the crime that she knew something that was exculpatory evidence, meaning that it could clear him and they you know, uh, subpoenaed her and the subpoena went through and they agreed to talk to her and then they shut it off and they had the, the grand jury, the secret grand jury, you know, they moved up the date by a week or so, so they couldn't do it. But I've not heard the defense say, Hey, you know, she had a sculptory evidence and you caused us not to be able to get it. Therefore, 
you know, you're going to have to have a new indictment. They didn't do that. They're just talking about the stupid genetic DNA. And then they're supposed well, to have that hearing today and they canceled it. And, and it's like we both said today. It, you would think that Cobra, well, his very first thing was, yeah, come, you know, I'll go voluntarily and speed trial, et cetera, because I, you know, I want to be exonerated. Um, but yet, why is, the, why is it that that process, I mean, that the defense doesn't want the cameras or doesn't want the new, you know, to me, if he sat innocent, they would want it blasted everywhere. And it's not but only that. To but me, it seems they're both working together to keep, just keep everybody in the dark. I don't know. Yeah. And, and also, it's not just that. It's the defense and the prosecution in agreement, you know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, they're agreeing to all, and I'm like, well. So they said these are 10, he, he, 10 things you need to know. They said Richard Allen has zero connections to any pagan cult or pagan cultists. And furthermore, no forensic evidence such as DNA or electronic evidence links Richard Allen to the girls or to the crime scene. I.e., he's a completely innocent man. What a load of shit. No forensic evidence uh, such as DNA. How about the forensic evidence of the real evidence of a bullet that had been cycled through his gun? was between the dead bodies. How about that as being some evidence or how, how about some evidence that his fat ass was walking across that bridge and he'd been seen by four different uh, sets, sets of people there. And they have video of his fat ass with his fucking hat and his coat, which they found at his house. Pardon my French. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That he was wearing in the video that they have that you know he was wearing. and that couple that lived there that was on um, on the live yesterday um cj asked them you know you do you really think he did it you know in light of all this coming out do you think it could have been others involved and you know they said yeah they have no doubt that there may have been somebody down at the bottom of the hill that was just never seen by people but they do believe that that was him on the bridge and that he he is, you know, he was in, yeah, they're not saying he's innocent just because of this other stuff coming out. Um, and believe me, how, how far down that blooming hill is, there could have been somebody down there in those trees that nobody did see, but, but they are still not saying, no, he didn't do it because of that, you know? I, it's really hard when you start reading about the body and you said in this paperwork, it does talk about the bodies. Yes, okay. it talks about how, you know, they're, the damage to the bodies, um, and then afterwards how how they were staged um, and the symbolism. I don't want to get you, you know, in no trouble saying stuff, but you'll yeah. read it. It's in there, and one of them were clothed, but it was not her clothes. It, it, it switched up the clothing. One was left naked, one was clothed, but was clothed in the other girl's clothes. It makes no sense to me at all. For them to say that there's no evidence that's completely made up when, you know, everybody can see the evidence. If I mean, this is just us looking at what factually we have, and you're like, well, as a prudent person, I would say that that puts you there, you know. But they're saying mm -hmm. nothing just because there's evidence of Odinism there, whether that's true or not, but no connection to any other person physically, but him, there's nobody else at the park that day that they saw, but him, there's nobody else that people saw covered in mud and blood as they were leaving than him. Uh, mm -hmm. 
Most of the evidence backing these assertions, this is number six, was found scattered over no less than 10 hard drives, several flash drives provided by the prosecution, meaning that the defense is not making wild accusations, but rather primarily relaying facts and information that is backed up by the prosecutor's own discovery, even discovery that the prosecution just provided to the defense on September 8th. Wow. It was like someone said in the chat room, they just got this late. All right, now here's where it gets interesting. Not coincidentally, members Odinists of the same pagan cult are employed as correction officers for the Indiana Department of Corrections at Westville Correctional Facility. It is inside of the cold concrete walls of the maximum security unit of this dilapidated reformatory that Richard Allen is being threatened, intimidated, and mentally abused. Throughout this document, references are made to the Unified Command, essentially the Unified Command as the leadership, the Delphi Murder Investigation, and they talk about the people that are in that unified command, and they give out their names right here. They call Tony Liggett, Kevin Hammond, Jerry Holman, Jay Harper, and Dave Vito. And talk about Odinism rites and runes and what was left, uh, obvious signatures. Runes were formed by sticks, fashioned with tree branches, and painted using the blood of Libby German. Sticks and tree branches were deliberately, carefully, and proficiently placed on each girl. And it talked about her blood, uh, one of the girls' blood being used to paint an F. Yeah. Which doesn't really, it doesn't look like our F, but it is the, 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 their alphabet, the ruin, one of their symbols for the letter F. Yet law enforcement in charge of the Delphi investigation seemingly and quickly abandoned the obvious correlation between the crime scene and Odinism, despite an obscene amount of evidence linking Odinism to the crime scene. And even in spite of powerful evidence linking specific Odinites in and around Indiana to the murders, the, they should be linked to the murders just because they're Odinites? Because anybody, they can't prove that they, I mean, that's what I'm saying. That they can't prove that it wasn't somebody else making it appear to be Odinites. Right. They're going to have to bring proof with that. What You know, if they're making that accusation, they're taking a huge leap unless they've got proof something and they're saying all this was given to them and the information that the prosecution sent them they didn't investigate it they were given to this and they were given it to it was uh-huh. given to them late this is the last thing i'm going to read and this is where they actually start naming names of uh people they believe committed the murders law enforcement's failure to actively pursue the obvious links between the crime scene and nonism is confounding it isn't is it even more confounding when days and weeks after the murders, a particular Odinite from Logansport named Brad Holder posted on social media images mimicking the very runes found at the crime scene. A crime scene unreleased and unknown to the general public even to this day. Who was Brad Holder? He was an Odinite whose son Logan had been dating Abby. Brad Holder's social media posts seemingly taunted the very police that refused to fully investigate him. The defense believes that the court will be shocked at the number of clues or Easter eggs, both before and after the murders, that Holder openly posted on his Facebook page that pointed the finger to his involvement in the murders. Uh, And this is the last paragraph I'm going to read. However, a fact that is simply mind-blowing to the defense is that Brad Holder was never considered a suspect in the murders of Abby and Libby. State Trooper Jerry Holman, one of the law enforcement officers in charge of organizing and investigating the Delphi murders, claimed in his August 1023 deposition that Brad Holder 
was not really ever a suspect. Police reports written near the time of the murders revealed that Jerry Holman is telling the truth. Brad Holder was cleared as a suspect quickly on March 16, 2017. So they go through here and they're naming names and they're talking about evidence that, that may or may not have been collected, talking about posts on Twitter and different things like that. Thank you so yeah, much, I, Lady I Max. Did, I did see a couple of the posts um, of Brad Holder before, of course, it gets yanked down, just like with any other trial, um, once somebody's name gets out there, um, that the symbolism they're talking about, I've never, like you said, we, the public, still has not seen other than the area. You know, we've never seen this crime scene photos and how they were positioned. It's described in that paperwork. But before they even had that paperwork, before this even came out, Brad Holder did post two two different, uh, you know, piece like artwork type. It wasn't photographs. Um, that the symbolism, they say, is almost identical to what was at the scene. So how would he know that? That's what they're saying. But I only saw like two, and then next thing you know, it you can't. It's gone. I think it was. I don't know if it was Instagram. I think Instagram. Somebody says the sticks weren't saved know. as evidence. Why not? I don't know if the sticks were saved or not. Does it say they weren't? Mm-mm. We've heard nothing about all that. You know, yeah, we don't know yet. That's just coming out. That's just coming out now with this. I, up until this paperwork came out, I'd heard nothing about sticks and all that kind of stuff or one of the girls being dressed you know and how they were positioned we, we've been told none of that really so it is what it is it's just like with this Coburger mess it's just every game you're just left in the dark and the law thinks that that they decide what the law is you know <laughs> we don't have a constitution they make it anymore. up as they go or they hide it so nobody can that's I mean, if you want, if you want justice, you have to afford an attorney. That's and you better make it. sure you vet that attorney too. Make sure you vet them. I don't trust anybody anymore. <laughs> I do a lot of homework on somebody new in my life. I tell you, it's it's just too much. <laughs> Excuse me, too much corruption. Yeah. Thank, and, um, thank you very much for calling in again. I know we talked about this, yeah. you know, a lot earlier, but uh, I just wanted to do, yeah. you know, a quick recap for everybody. Yeah, and I'm sorry I made you depressed. Oh yeah, I snapped I'll out of it. Feel better. <laughs> I snapped out of it. I'm, I'm myself now. Good deal. All right. Good deal. Thank you, Cindy. I'm going to let well, you eat your dinner. You guys. Well, I'm going to get out the oven, and I'm going to flip back over where I can watch the rest of your show while it cools down. We've got a lot more coming, I swear. Thank you. Oh, yeah, we do. Definitely. Cindy Herring, everybody. All right, guys, I'm back. I'm not reading something verbatim now. Okay, where are we at? Coffin Daffer. You know, my eyes are a little blurry sometimes because I got this, you know, light, this movie camera light in my face. And I was looking at that, and it 
to me it looked like coffin daffer sucks and i'm like what coffin daffer sucks the defense attorneys would be nuts to bring this theory forward if they didn't have the facts to back it up it does make sense to me but it would be career ending if no evidence existed i know i want to i'm looking forward to this evidence and they all want cameras in the courtroom, according to her. Kim French says this. And we're about to go into the Ruby Frankie, the new out, uh, facts, the new things that came out about her this week after these next few comments. Dude, it was on court TV. A guy can't out and his retired Ellie knows someone. Indy, the investigation, he said there are two voices on Bridge Guy's video. One of the lead investigators who's retired was so... Uh, concerned that R.A. was arrested. He wrote a letter to the prosecution and said there was far more evidence for other suspects. That's what we read. We just went over that. It was click. Did you know that? You would. We just talked about that. He also tested the FBI reports to his letter says says ritual, which they hid from the defense. We just talked about that on the paperwork. Uh, Coffin down for sucks. Yes, being followed since, been following it since the beginning. Uh, Cooper has a good comment here. How do they not, and you guys were talking about this, how do they not know the professor that said this was um, saying it was not Odinism? Do they have more than one expert in Norse cults at Purdue? That's a good point. Very, very good point. Okay. All right, let's move on to the Ruby Frankie part of the show. And moving back, hold on, I'm going to move back to your girl, Banfield. I want to bring in uh, somebody who knows a lot about this case. Uh, Lauren Mathias was a reporter in Southern Utah for two years. Uh, she knows a lot of the people in the area. Also a YouTuber. Um, what's the name of her show, guys? I don't remember. Very well. She hosts the very popular Hidden True Crime podcast. Lord- Hidden True Crime podcast. Internet sleuthers that Brian Hinton loves to make fun of. All right. All right. Fine. And I was reading that Jody Hildebrandt, Ruby Frankie's partner, had a $3 million house. That that's where those kids escaped from was this $3 million house. What do you know about Jody? Yes. Uh, I know a lot about Jody. She was well received in the area. She had a booming therapy business and exactly a three million dollar home in a very high-end neighborhood uh you know one interesting thing about the house is that it had this downstairs room which most of the houses in this area i'll say they're they're built by the same builder and they do not have basements or downstairs rooms i think that's very interesting but she was well received in the area she went to church she had friends and she clearly uh had a booming therapy business. My husband even ran into her at, at trainings. She was at the chamber meetings. She was at the women's St. George business meetings. She was she was active in this community in Southern Utah. I'm trying to figure it all out, though. It's so bizarre, given that they're podcast partners, but they live like four to five hours drive apart. And the weirdness is that the children are escaping. Well, the one kid is escaping out the window of Jody's $3 million house, but they're both arrested at Ruby's house. So Jody's house is in uh, Cayenta, Utah, if I pronounce that correctly, and Ruby's house is in Springville, Utah, and they're so far apart. Why are the kids alone, you know, four and a half hours away? 
I'm so glad you brought this up, Ashley, because I think it's something that people aren't discussing. People forget how big of a state Utah is. So they're not realizing, and it was in Ivan's Utah, the, the subdivision or the neighborhood is Kayenta, but they were they, they escaped a home in Ivan's Utah in the Kayenta area. And what people aren't realizing is how far away Springville is from Ivan's Utah. And nobody's understanding that it literally means that these kids were abandoned at this house because Springville, Utah is northern Utah. We're talking four hours north, at least over 300 miles north is where Ruby lived, where both Jody and Ruby were arrested together at Ruby's house. Jody's house is is four hours south in southern Utah among the Red Rocks. And that's where the children escaped. I've also heard that the children didn't even know that they were alone, you know, but they were abandoned. And I think that's something we're not talking about enough. These children were alone. It's so bizarre. It's, I mean, clearly we're only at the tip of the iceberg on the story. Lauren Mathias, thank you for this. Thanks for being with me on Friday night. Have a good weekend. Yes, please disregard Brian Inton talking about all people on social media sleuths being retarded. Please disregard that. All right, now this is the sister of the eight-passenger mother, Ruby Frankie, talking about Ruby Frankie and child abuse, abusing her children. Tonight, the sister of a Utah family vlogger charged with abusing her children is speaking out. Ruby Frank's sister posted the video response on her own YouTube channel. News special Shelby Lofton tells us the claims that she is making after this arrest. Shelby? This is really the first time that we're hearing from a family member who was really close to Ruby Frankie. Her sister, Bonnie, Bonnie Holine, her sister's name, made regular appearances in her sister's vlogs, and Ruby regularly made appearances in hers. Holine says that their relationship drastically changed three years ago, and today she's breaking her silence. What my family and I have gone through. All right. So three years ago, when her YouTube channel became popular, which got over 2 million subscribers, and this is a substantial amount of money, this took this family up to the next level when they started living a lot larger, when they had better house, better income. But it changes the dynamics of the, of, of the family. It changes becoming popular on social media, changes the dynamics of your life. And then they weren't prepared for it. And the question is, in my mind through all this, beyond the obvious child abuse, and after this video we'll get into even more of that, is how had the dynamic of having this YouTube channel being popular on social media added to the abuse? You know, kind of like you saw Ozzy Osbourne's family falling apart after his show, how the Hogan family, and we're talking about Hogan not the Valerie Bertinelli sh- uh, Valerie show from the 80s, but this is a question, and some of this is starting to get answered by our family. The last couple of weeks is the worst thing that has ever happened. Ruby Frankie's immediate and extended family are known for putting their daily lives online. Her sister says so much was kept behind the scenes for years. We did not have access to anyone. Police say they found two of Frankie's children in the basement of her business partner, Jody Hildebrandt's Ivan's home, emaciated with wounds all over their bodies. It makes me tremble because 
Bonnie Holleen says she thought Hildebrand and her business connections were extreme. It was complete indoctrination. She says as an aunt, she did everything legally possible to protect the children. And for those that were saying that they'd go in and bust down doors and do whatever it took to end up in jail, because from jail... I can't do anything. She points the finger at her brother-in-law, Ruby's husband. It was Kevin's job to check in on things, and he did not. He was just simply following what she and Jody were telling him. Kevin Frankie's attorney says the father of six did whatever Hildebrandt and Ruby told him to. He was being berated and belittled and torn down by Jody and uh, constantly being told he was selfish and greedy and he needed to repent. Kester says Ruby told her husband to move out of the family home. But if you want to stay married and you want to patch up our marriage and make things work and uh, help our children, you'll stay away. He says Kevin didn't see his children for a year. Kester says Hildebrandt brainwashed Kevin. He's trying to seek perf- So after their channel got pulled down from YouTube, after these um, allegations of child abuse were flying around in the community at the time, then their relationship broke apart. She took the kids and moved in to her new business partner, a.k.a. YouTube channel. Professional help. Frankie's sister says there's more than one person to blame. Ruby and Kevin and Jody and Connections have been destroying our lives offline. Frankie's attorney told me that Kevin has reached out to some of his extended family members, including Bonnie. He said, yeah, if I was the station manager, this shit wouldn't fly with me. I'm like, if you're going to do this, go in your car, shut your door or just uh, go on. A, you're in Utah. You can find a quiet place. What's going on? Just pre-record this and send it. What's going on? He really wants to repair those relationships in order to move on with his life. He was not able to tell me if Bonnie received that request or responded to it. I'll send it back to you. All right. Thank you for sending it back to me. And I'm sending it back to another story, which is really bad. Kind of boggles my mind. Guys, just to let you know, the show is from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock. At 8 o'clock, 8, 12, 8, 10, maybe 8, 15. Then we're doing Friday Night Live. You guys can are all welcome to join us and slide on over to the other live that's being scheduled right after this show. And on there, all the DJs that are going to join us are going to join us. We don't know exactly who all is going to pop in. I heard that Johnny Vincent might even pop by, which is just about as rare as a Yeti sighting. So we'll see if that happens. We're going to play music, and and, uh, we're going to have a lot of fun for two hours of music and fun. We got games. I'll be telling you three true crime stories. Two of them are true. One of them are false, actually. Yeah. This time, two are true and one are false. You have to tell me the one that is false, and you're going to win $20 and a midnight radio hat. Continuing the party, continuing the games, Friday Night Live after this. This next story definitely isn't fun. It isn't a game. I'm going to read it to you right now. This boggles my mind. Man accused of breaking into neighbor's home, beating six-year-old with a baseball bat. crazy uh this is as reported by the huffington post um 
It's crazy. Then you read it and you're like, it's even worse than I thought it could be. A six-year-old boy remains in critical condition more than a week after a neighbor allegedly broke into his Texas home on September 11th and attacked him with a baseball bat. The boy's family shared the update on Wednesday on GoFundMe where supporters have raised more than $200,000 to cover his medical bills and potential legal expenses. Jeremy remains in critical care, but he continues to show movement in all his limbs and is responding. Authorities have said that the family's neighbor, 39-year-old Daniel Logan, randomly attacked the boy. Logan has been charged with aggravated assault and injuring a child with a deadly weapon. His attorney did not immediately respond, and he has yet to enter a plea. He has been ordered to undergo a competency evaluation. Jeremy's father described the six-year-old boy as a role model and hero to his younger brother. According to a statement by the Williamson County Sheriff's Office deputies, authorities say that Logan, who is armed with a baseball bat, broke into his neighbor's home and assaulted both Jeremy and then his own mother, who had followed him into the house and begged him to stop. According to an arrest affidavit, Logan broke in through the neighbor's back door, went upstairs into Jeremy's bedroom, and hit the boy in the head, causing multiple fracture to the child's skull and swelling to the brain. He also allegedly hit his own mother in the face with the bat when she followed him. The Williamson County Sheriff's Office did not respond to Huffington Post's request for comment. Jeremy's loved ones are raising money for his medical care on GoFundMe. Logan's wife told investigators that she woke to loud banging on the morning of the incident and saw a hole in the picket fence that separated her home and her neighbor's home. His wife told investigators that she saw her mother-in-law coming from the neighbor's home covered in blood and that she frantically screamed that Daniel was killing everyone in the house, asking Logan's wife to call 911. Let's read the comments. I'll tell you what, if I ever tried to hit my mother with a bat, that bat would have wound up sideways up my ass. Maybe that's, I don't know. Mark says this from a day ago. Reading Yahoo News is sometimes hard enough seeing what adults do to each other. This horrible assault and so many similar stories is so much worse than that. But knowing the degrees of evil that are out there is necessary knowledge to help protect our family and friends and ourselves from it should it pay a visit to our lives as well. That's exactly what I believe. I feel like the the boy with his finger in the dike to keep all the water out saying, hey, there's something wrong here, guys. Everything is dangerous. Everything can kill you. Lock your doors. Make sure you have weapons. Keep them away from your children. Know where they are. Have a plan. The world is bad out there. And the number one person that's going to kill you is your family. You're not safe. It's not safe. Such an evil act. Speedy recovery to this baby. Healing to his family. And during this tragic situation. I'm very happy for the outpouring of support for the care of this little boy. I sincerely hope he will recover. Somebody says, if that animal isn't put away for life, that will be a travesty. He's clearly a danger to the entirety of society. Or just take him out and do the exact same thing, but without medical care. All right. This is the Ruby. This is more of the Ruby Frank story. Apparently, I put it in the wrong position, but that's all right. And this is, uh, let me look at the chat room real quick. This is talking about some of the child abuse she actually did. 
he was in the safety of his home in his bed. Somebody, some man outside came in there, kicked his door in and busted him in the head with a bat. Uh, things don't get more evil than that. Tysa says, unreal. I am with my little ones right now coloring. How can anyone do this? Our most innocent sickening prayers. I know I love my son and, uh, He's really excited about coming home on Friday nights, and we ordered a pizza. He calls it having a pizza party, and he's watching Scooby-Doo with his mother eating Reese's Pieces. We call him Maine Mod. So the ignorant person who was in here earlier talking about my mods, when uh, my main Mod is my five-year-old son, anyhow. Ruby Frank says this. This is what it says about Ruby Frank. Warrant sheds new light on Ruby Frank and Jolie Hildebrandt's child abuse case. When police responded to an Ivan's Utah home to investigate reports of child abuse, they found an emaciated 12-year-old victim who told police Jody Hildebrandt tied him up with a rope and put cayenne pepper in their wounds. The victim informed officers that Jody put the ropes on their ankles and wrists. Jody did, Jody Hildebrandt. And that they used cayenne pepper and honey to dress the wounds. An August 31st search warrant from the Santa Clara Ivins Police Department. The child's mother, popular YouTube and family blogger Ruby Frankie and Jody Hildebrandt were arrested that day and later charged with six counts of aggravated child abuse, bond revoked. The warrants gave new insight into the police response on the day both women were arrested. According to the warrants, Frankie's child was tied to the ground with a rope, had cayenne pepper and honey paste smeared on their wounds, and duct tape was used to both bind the child and dress the lacerations. Police also found two sets of handcuffs, rope, and duct tape in Hildebrandt's home. Police were first called after the child escaped Hildebrandt's home, climbing through the window and walking over to neighbors to ask for help. They were thirsty, hungry, and emaciated. When officers arrived, they observed the wounds and the malnourishment of the child to be severe and was transported to the St. Clair's Regional Hospital, according to the warrant. Uh, Frankie's child was placed on a medical hold due to deep lacerations from being tied up with rope and from his malnourishment. He was abnormally thin and weak. The child told medical personnel and police that his wounds were from the rope that was used to tie the victim to the ground. It was Hildebrandt, identified by the child as Jody, who put the rope around their ankles and wrists and used cayenne pepper and honey mixture to dress the wounds. The child also told officers that 10-year-old and 14-year-old siblings were in the home when he escaped. During the sweep, officers located one juvenile who's reluctant to speak to officers. The other juvenile was has not been located. The warrant reads, Frankie's four youngest children were later taken into state custody, child Welfare proceedings with the Utah Division of Child and Family Services ongoing. Hildebrandt requested a lawyer and declined to talk to the officers. But when police searched her home, they found two used medical gauze dressings near a cayenne pepper and honey paste, according to the warrants. Officers also write that Frankie left three her three children in the care of Hildebrandt. And we just learned that it, they were four hours away from the other home officer sees three iPhones and five Macs computers from the house. After her arrest, Hildebrandt's attorney claimed she experienced a life threatening medical issue resulting in her hospitalization, her hospitalization for several days. It's unclear what exactly the medical issue is. Uh, Ruby Frank, 
um, supposedly also had some uh, life medical issue. And, but the most horrible thing she did is when she went in front of the court for a hearing, she was blaming all the abuse on her children. Comments say, Michelle says, her husband sounds like he's trying to avoid being associated with his ex-wife, but he played a part in everything too because he either didn't care enough about his kids to check on them during the 12 to 14 months they were living with his ex or he saw them and chose to ignore abuse and what was going on. So there needs to be charges against him too, if nothing else, for neglecting to report his wife. I watched a couple of episodes of their crazy show years ago, and the dad went along with everything the mom wanted to do, which back then just seemed overly strict. Who knew she'd cross the line into psychotic abuser? Her kids are brave, and I hope they can stay together and get the help they need, even if it's from their older siblings. Somebody else says, I am O, in my opinion. Her husband is as guilty as she is. He's he seen his children. He did nothing. I hope the court throws the book at them all. Damn it. D says this. I hope they're found guilty of every charge. I hope they receive maximum sentences. I hope neither of them are ever allowed around children or animals for the rest of their lives. I hope the children are able to recover and be healthy and safe. I hope the son who is accused of horrible things by these two women is able to sue them when he turns 18 years of age, if not before. I usually don't read this far, but I'll read Pablo. Pablo says, makes one's blood boil. How anyone could treat a child like this is beyond my comprehension. Life in prison, no parole. Would not be objectionable in my mind. All right, going to the chat room. Uh, Cindy says, that's some kind of mom blamer kid. My kids are grown and I'll be in jail before anyone harms one of them. Don't even get me started on my grandbabies. I think this family is the literal example of what cults would do to people. It makes me appreciate how kind my parents were when I heard about these cases. Got this missing kayaker found alive after faking his own death to avoid child SA charges. Let's check now, this out. I'll say a man who sparked a drowning investigation last month faked his own death to avoid child rape charges. Investigators revealed a 41-year-old Melvin. Melvin. MD faced charges of indecent. He looks like Danny Masterson, but okay. He sent liberties with a child and statutory rape of a child by an adult in North Carolina. He was due in court the day after he was reported missing. An MD son told deputies his dad fell out of his kayak, and that was on August 7th, prompting a search near Hanville. And deputies say they immediately were suspicious, but did not release any details to protect this investigation. And there you go with that one. Uh, let's see. Do I really want to go over this one? I do. I don't know if I have time. Let's just get to the coolest parts about this. Check this out. Another elementary. What the hell is that? Hold on a second. 
Another elementary school teacher got caught being drunk at the job. So let's check this out real quick. Can we clear the room? This is uh, Jennifer Davis. Hi, Jennifer. This is Jennifer Davis. She's one of our teachers for uh, kindergarten. She is drunk as hell. Ms. Davis, a little bit about some reports that we've received uh, as late as this morning. Um, and so she understands and she, and she said she'd be willing to meet with you and talk to you. Okay. Uh, but we want to give you all some privacy, too. So is this a suitable this is, Yeah, this is place? Okay. Yep. We'll just step out here. How you doing from there? I'm good. How are you? Oh, week. I've got a magical little device I need you to blow into. No, it's in the box. <laughs> so what's going on today? They said they had reports where I was drinking at school, which has never happened. When was the last time you had anything here? Last night. Okay. About what time did you quit drinking? Uh, probably about 10.30. 10.30. How much did you- All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to let you blow into my magical device here. And if it comes up and I find out you've been lying to me when you've been drinking, you're saying it was last night, but it shouldn't pop up here because it's like 11 a.m. the next day. If it pops up that you've been drinking, we're going to arrest you right here, and you're going to get a mandatory five years for lying. Now, before we start here, do you want to tell me when you've really been drinking? Just a glass of wine, nothing major. Okay. All right. Well, would you be willing to submit to some tests? Yeah. To make sure everything's okay? Teacher's gone wild. Okay. All right. What I'm going to do first is I'm going to check you for HGM. Okay, this is what we call standardized field sobriety tests. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, there's three of them. I'm going to pretty much focus on the first one, which is horizontal gaze and nystagmus. I'm going to have you take your glasses off, and I'm going to have you... We'll stand up when we do this. Well, I'm gonna okay. track I am so blind without him. I can't hardly Can you see, see something like my finger about yes, six yes, inches from yes. your face? So. All right, guys. I know you're deep into this. You'd rather not be watching anything else on a Friday night, but we're going to have to move on. We're going to go to the part where um, they have to tackle her and to the ground, and they turn over some tables, and they start yelling, and she starts just getting nuts. We're going to – are you ready to get nuts? Let's get nuts. After this commercial break, make your dog happy. Give him a pillow that he can bite into. Stuff dogs love at BarkBox.com. In terms of your employment here, Jennifer, we, we can't move. Son of a bitch. If you're bored, you can have a better Friday night if you give your dog a pickle. Whenever he bites into it, it sounds like a fart. That's right. Stuff dogs love at BarkBox.com. <laughs> you being a teacher here any longer okay if you want to resign uh, that's your option um, if you choose not to though i would be forced to go to the board and ask for your termination based on the outcome of today so uh, you know, anytime a i would like to resign Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do? What you gonna do when they come for you? In kindergarten, you've been drinking whiskey. In kindergarten, you've been drinking hooch. And I so do not give me no raise. Now, explain to her, ma'am. Once you're booked in, like I said, it's a municipal charge of PI. 
It is a bondable charge, so send in your book in chief and somebody can Seven to three. No, actually, I was drinking this morning. Midnight caller line. Who am I speaking with? Uh, Jory. Midnight caller line. Jory. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing, Jory? I am fantastic. What would you like to talk about? Well, I'm just, um, you know, you do a fantastic show. I absolutely love it. I'm up here in Canada, Alberta, actually. Wow. I'm glad we reach all the way out there. I know. Bit of ways. I used to have Um, more Canadians, but I don't know what happened. They were really interested in politics. Well, (laughs) well, the politics here are pretty, uh, I guess I shouldn't swear here. Um, I do. I did tonight. It's hard not to sometimes. All right. So Go for it. Yell out loud. Okay. Fuck our fucking leader. Oh, How about that? I felt better. I don't know if you do or not, but I do. No. Well, I would like to fuck him, but he's not worth some fucking. <laughs> it's funny because <laughs> the things he, I, I read a quote by him today or yesterday. It was like, what? I can't remember what oh, that quote said- was. Oh, he's such a bitch. I'm sure he's getting fucked by the people up east anyway. Everybody but his wife. His wife left him. <laughs> You're awesome. Anyway, I just like to uh I I've been trying to watch your show. I'm so busy. I'm I race cars, I race jeeps, um I'm a busy woman, I ride horses, I'm cowboy girl, cowgirl boy, whatever you call it. And uh, just like to touch bases with you. Well, I'm glad you called in. I've, I've seen you a lot in chat, and I mispronounce your name every time. It's Jory, not Gory, guys. Yeah. But I'm going to so forget again. I don't know why. So in Norway, it's pronounced Yori. It's Norwegian. Yori. Yeah. But in Canada, we call it Jory, I guess. I don't know why. I don't know. No, I have no idea. My mother was probably drunk and high. Was she a <laughs> elementary school teacher? Because that's oh, going no, around a lot right. lately. Yeah, yeah, I see that. Here in America, anyway. In Texas, we have our own problems. It seems like every high school teacher is sleeping with all the students in junior high. Uh-huh. I don't, there's, so it happens so much, I don't report on it, not because it doesn't happen or I'm afraid to talk about it, but it just happens so much, it would be a drudgery. Yeah, it's crazy. This world we live in, my dear. It is crazy. Anyway, what, what do you think about the Ruby Frank case? I noticed something today uh, that I, I've kind of found disturbing. What's that? Well, you got... You got the Idaho four case, a white guy, Brian Kohlberger killed, you know, what, four people, they're all white. Then you have uh, the Ruby Frank case, a white family, you know, abusing white kids. And these are the cases that are going viral. Why? Just because they're white, I don't understand. There's other cases that, you know, with people of color. So is this racism, you know, 
case racism? What's going on here? I don't know. Do me a favor and listen to some some tool, some old school James, and listen to his his like his message. Like he is a fucking he's brilliant beyond his means. Listen to who? Tool. Tool, the music. Yeah. James Maynard, like the mm-hmm. lead singer, like he, um, yes. you know what? Uh, honestly, if you're sitting there one night and you got a couple hours, listen to his message. He's a, he's unreal. Well, that's funny. You should mention that because we're bringing on a new DJ, DJ Wheezy. And he starts this next yeah. month, this next week, and he's going to do a pre-show for one of our shows. And he, he had already told me that he's going to play a lot of tools. So I will be listening. Yeah. Yeah. So Maynard is a fucking god like he's not a god he's a god that's about no honestly i listen to it all the time and i know it sounds crazy but listen to his message i will i'll do that yeah yeah and just let it just let it roll and just listen to it and it'll it's funny it just teaches you a lot about what's going on right now it's crazy there is a lot of crazy stuff going on tonight i mean not just tonight but now i know like i'm i I appreciate you calling in are you gonna listen later tonight when we do friday night live and we have all the djs and play music and stuff yep so i'll let you at it i'm i'm here for a couple hours i'll jump in if you like me to Awesome. All right. Thank you. You have a good night. Yeah, you too. Love chatting with you. Appreciate it. Guys, I always appreciate when you guys call in. I understand, you know, when you don't, it doesn't hurt my feelings anymore. But this is a talk show. The show's built on conversations with you. So... You know, we got to have those conversations. All right, we're going to finish up with her and uh, see how this turns out. <clears throat> okay. All right, go ahead and put your hands in front of you with your thumbs facing up, please. What is my, I mean, what is my, is this going to go like on the news? Mr. <laughs> it's going to go all the way to Canada, lady. Kenzie. Chances are it will, Jennifer. I don't have control over what they put on the news, but there's a good chance that once this gets bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do after release? We'll have to send home to parents, and then news reporters will probably show up. Gonna play you on midnight radio. Gonna play you on the radio. I'm I'm gonna play you on the radio. Uh, I will be as discreet as I can, and in terms of how I handle it. Please, I've never been in trouble in my life. Well, everybody has the first time. Here we go. But again, that's not... If you made it on the wall of shame here on Midnight Radio, you've really done something bad. I'm not going to go pushing anything out there. You did not. But we, we've got to respond and let people know that we followed our policy. And I All right, Booker Dano. You'll go with this officer. Here. You're going to walk? Yes. You're going to walk to the front of the school, and you're going to go through the front door. You better salute the flag before we put you in the back of the wagon. 
and everybody's going to have their phone uh, turned on you, and there's going to be some people chewing up juicy fruits and throwing them in the back of your hair with um, juicy fruit gum and Starburst. Follow me. Hello, everybody. That's a Marine Corps hymn. I don't know why that came out of me. Horrible guys. Comments say 
Benny Horowitz. He's a scholar and a fine man. I'm pretty. He might be the guy that studies Norse mythology at Purdue. He says this award-winning comment. She looks very masculine. Guys, Von Panzer says, "Wow, I'll have to look into those soundproof sheets." She reminds me of Macaulay Culkin. Monsieur Machel says, "That's it." I was at first wondering if the picture was of the mother or the dead guy. All right, continuing right here. We have like two minutes left, so let me get to the most craziest thing I have. All right. It would definitely be this. Youth pastor allegedly tried to kill his wife and five children before setting the home on fire. This was by the this happened in Kansas. A youth pastor, Michael Richards, five children, and his wife all sustained uh, laceration injuries. Let me see if this... To be merciful at his sentencing. Oh, God, this freaking hoser. Anyway, let me read this to you. A Kansas youth pastor is accused of trying to kill his wife and five children in their shiny home before allegedly attempting to set the home on fire, according to police. Matthew Richards, 41, is charged with five counts of attempted premeditated first-degree murder and one count of aggravated arson with risk of bodily harm in connection with the September 16th incident. His five children, including a 19-year-old and four juveniles, and his wife, all sustained lacerations, injuries of varying degrees. This is absolutely freaking horrible. According to a press release, Shawnee police and firefighters responded to reports of a disturbance and fire at the pastor's home. On the wall of shame... Matthew Richards, 41. Firefighters located a blaze in the basement of the house on Goody Drive and Shawnee and quickly extinguished it. Authorities transported all five victims and Richards to the hospital for treatment. Richards' biography on the Crossroads Christian Church website says that he is a big kids man who loves teaching little kids about Jesus and apparently trying to send them to Jesus. He has been married to Stephanie since 2003 and they have four boys and one girl. He, has, he and his family have three rules. One, love God. Two, love people. Three, love sports. He blew them all this day. The biography states, Matt and his family have been at Crossroads since 2016. Nice house. And look forward to many years helping teach and reach those in the Shawnee area. Senior Pastor Kurt Witten issued a statement in response to the incident on September 16th saying the church was aware of the situation involving his children's pastor. Okay, well, good. I'm glad you're aware of that. We are gathering more information. We'll have a full statement later at a later time. What can they possibly say? Please be respectful of this situation. This is still an ongoing investigation. And please join us in praying for the Richards family during this time. Comments say... I think he's a bit unclear of the true teachings of Jesus, but I'm thankful for the families, okay? I'm very thankful for that. Somehow, I do not think this family is going to be okay. What we don't understand about PTSD and trauma is huge. Within 20 years, we will understand these things better. PTSD does not make you kill. I promise you. He's about to have three new rules. Don't drop the soap. Two, if your cellmate tells you to turn around for a surprise, don't do it. When another inmate says it won't hurt, believe him. Don't believe him. It will. 
Last comment says this. In society today, many pastors are under attack from so many different directions. I could never be a youth pastor simply because I would not be able to contain myself if some of my youth confided various things with me. We live in a sick society. Many children attend a church, but their parents do not. They use the church for a free babysitting service. When there is abuse, the youth confide with their pastor, and it becomes a tightrope walk. Personally, I could not handle the stress. It isn't getting any better. Hard to say what sent this one off the deep end but could be many things i will be praying for this family god knows well i don't know where laura from ireland is did she ever come in did i miss her what happened i hope she's all right i know it's friday and the irish like to party so hopefully she's having a good time with her family we're about to have a good time with our family here it's eight o'clock it's time for a friday night live where all the djs join together we're going to play some killer music we're going to play a game i'm going to tell you three true crime stories two of them are true but one is false you tell me which one it is you can win twenty dollars and a midnight radio hat but you have to call in and talk to me and tell me which one you think is the false one. Oh no this will not be easy but you got a one in three chance so hey it could be you. If your name is Coop and you've never won a hat, this might be your chance. All right, guys. You guys have been great. These stories have been horrific, but I think they're important to get out there. If you have a comment or question during the week, 325-261-0892. Leave up to a eight-minute message. Eight-minute? Where the hell did I get that number? Three-minute message. Or you can email me at midnightrad.io101 at gmail.com. Our website is midnightrad.io. You can go to the live that is scheduled after this. In there, we have a link to the radio. Uh, I, we're on iHeartRadio, among other places. I put an iHeartRadio link on there. So with the live we're about to do, the Friday Night Live, it's going to be me and all the DJs that show up. We're going to be playing music for two hours we're going to be laughing we're going to joke be joking you can hear behind the scenes at that youtube live but on the radio you're going to hear us you're going to hear us introduce the song you're going to listen to that song that's going to come back but on the youtube you're not going to hear the music only on the radio and uh, it's more of a party kind of on youtube just for you guys only do it for you guys here we go till next time guys those of you that aren't going to join us for the party over on the next slide then all my best I will see you next week.